Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. Creative idea creation, or innovation as it's usually known, doesn't sit nicely in the boxes in which it is often placed. And you probably know this by now, I'm not a fan of boxes as a way to understand the world anyway. And certainly not when the world needs to create a new story right now to live into. My guest today is a professional innovator. He has a brilliant and generous mind and heart. And I discovered that after only one phone call with him. So let's break boundaries and unlock boxes today. Stay tuned. I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. Head there to discover your creative advantage by taking the Creative Innovator Quiz. Find out your personal creative innovator style so that you can open your creative flow and make everything in life easier. Learn to optimize your ability to create more in less time while enjoying every minute. My guest today is Brian Mattimore. He is co-founder and chief idea guy of the Growth Engine Company, a 20-year-old innovation and creativity training agency. In his marketing and consulting career, Brian has managed over 200 successful innovation projects, leading to over $3 billion in new sales for one-third of the Fortune 100 companies. Brian's three best-selling books on ideation and innovation process include Idea Stormers, How to Lead and, and Inspire Creative Breakthrough, and 21 Days to a Big Idea. A cum laude graduate of Dartmouth with a major in psychology, he is also an innovation and marketing instructor for Caltech. Welcome, Brian Mattimore. I am really excited about our conversation today, especially after, as a follow-up to our first conversation. Well, thanks, Lori. And I, I would just say that was one of the nicest, if not the nicest intros I've ever had. I don't think anyone has ever said the word heartfelt when ah. <laughs> he me. So thank you. You are most welcome. And I'm ready for, for our audience to to walk away with the same feeling as I had. So I know you've led so many creative vision, mission, and values projects for an incredible list of medium and large organizations. I'd love for you to just, just kind of set the stage by telling us about that, what that looks like, and then your senses about how those efforts might link into greater awareness greater growth, even spirituality at these organizations? Yeah, I mean, as an innovation agency, it's somewhat but not a typical area of work, sort of working on vision, mission, and values. Um, and our bias and view is, first of all, it's critical for the innovation process for coming up with ideas to have the right is the wrong way to say it, but an appropriate or a motivating is probably the best way to say it, uh, vision, mission, and values, because, you know, people, uh, we need a sense of purpose in life. You know, that's kind of first and foremost, right? And so we've recognized that our innovation work 
that has to be that's almost the first thing right you mm -hmm. got to get that that straight and then you then you can start innovating frankly and so a bunch of our clients have asked us to help them with that and it could be smaller and medium-sized companies it could also be the division of a major company and so we work with typically the the vision and mission with senior leadership but the values thing um and and this i think will possibly be interested to your listeners that's the critical point where you want to involve everybody in the organization in my bias my bias in my opinion because um, you know you've got to reflect those values in everything you do, both at work with customers um, and hiring policies, retaining and retention. So, uh, so yeah, we've had a lot of fun um, working on those. And, and and the other thing too, I would say is that values needs to be um, creative. And so uh, there's a wonderful example from Zappos. I mean, they spent a year. They were closing on in on bankruptcy. They spent a year, um, Tony, uh, the CEO, uh, getting the values right. And once they did that, of course, the organization took off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you think, just as a quick aside, how do you think with Tony leaving, um, that's going to impact the, the overall values and mission of the company? Um, I actually think it'll be okay because I, I did actually call them. I was doing some research on customer experience and I spoke with a person there and I got one of the most amazing stories ever from how they had uh, uh, reflected those values with, with great sensitivity and great heart uh, mm -hmm. with a, with the person that called. So I think, uh, I think the DNA is so strong there that I think they'll be fine. So you coming into an organization and helping them to develop that seeds it into the entire organization. It does. And the key thing that we do that I think is the missing, you know, magic in a lot of these mission, vision, values projects, you know, we have no interest in plaques on the walls here. This is all about activating it. And so in the case of values, what we do, once those have been created, and those are created by everybody in the organization submitting their ideas and then working through and getting the five or six or seven most important values. But then the critical piece that we add beyond that is that we have um, sessions where uh, we take those values and, and the employees, if it's a small enough company, every employee gets the chance then to be creative about how to reflect those values in their daily jobs. And so not only mindsets, but behavior. So if our value is pioneering, how do we represent that, right, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so that is really where the rubber meets the road. And that's the critical um, step that's often missing in organization is the activation of those values in terms of, of behavior change. So is that, is that part of what you're seeing in terms of that um, greater awareness within an organization greater, I, I, I want to use the word self-awareness because it, it's the individual, but collective awareness as well. Yeah, I, that's a great comment because I, as we said, you know, innovation starts there, but yeah, um, I think once you get the value straight, it, it, it gives people permission, I think, to be more of themselves, that sort of higher order beings. I also think obviously it affect the culture and as a culture, it will both attract and sort of uh, attract the, those with the aligned values and maybe reject those that, that aren't aligned. And so in that sense, you might say that it's the beginning point of, of uh, 
dramatic and hopefully appropriate culture change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe a people and, and self-actualization, you uh -huh. know, of, uh -huh. of the people. And we can talk about that because we've talked about that on our first call, how, how my bias is that corporations, you know, the most undervalued, underexploited, underleveraged uh, asset in the entire planet is the creativity of a company's employees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that starts to draw more people or if somebody is not interested in, in uh, living into that, they're not, they're not part of that culture then. Yeah, it's, it's self-fulfilling is not, maybe not the way to say it, but it's, it, um, you know, if, if you're not on board, you're going to be unhappy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you'll probably leave, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, if we go back to Zappos, I mean, they go through the whole interview process and then they try to incentivize people with a couple thousand dollars not to take the job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a good example of getting people to really be motivated to to be part of the values that you're mm -hmm. espousing, presenting, and, and reflecting day to day. Yeah, and to be true to yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Authenticity is one of the Zappos values, and it's certainly the clients we've worked with. It, it may not be exactly that word, mm -hmm. but uh, at the end of the day, it leads to authenticity and, and fun. <laughs> absolutely, right? absolutely. And without the fun, well, there's something just very big missing in there. Well, yeah, I, I feel it, you know, um, and, and, and this is a well-known, but, you know, when we're doing our ideation work, um, it's not flaky. It's not, uh, you know, singing songs. It's, it's you know, it's hard work. Uh -huh. But the, the is occurs when, you know, new things happen, people say funny things, that will often lead to unexpected connections. I mean, the nature of fun is unexpected connections, right? In some mm -hmm. ways, mm -hmm. a surprise. And so um, that's, it's the same with creativity. And that comes out of, I was writing yesterday, uh, a post about, uh, about collaboration. And at its heart, innovation and an ideation session and innovation with teams is collaboration. Yeah, I mean, we one of our, our tenants is that um, teams are critical. Or this is Growth Engine's uh, 10 innovation principles. One of uh, the basic premises is that to innovate successfully, you need teams, and typically you need cross-functional teams. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so you have all those different points of views. Uh, you build up, it's, a, it's an odd uh, metaphor or analogy to use in this time. So we think of those teams as sort of benevolent viruses and that they can uh, spread uh, the sort of goodness and success throughout the organization. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, tricky one to use right now. <laughs> tricky, yes. Sorry. <laughs> in your um, ingenious problem-solving workshops, you, you teach a wide variety of personal and team um, creative thinking techniques. And apparently one of your attendees said about the workshop, you know, have you ever had one of those moments when your worldview shifts? And, and I know what that feels like myself, and it, it's, it's tremendous. And she said that course did that for her. What was it that you think happened? Why, why, do you, why did she say that? Yeah, thank you for, for mentioning that because, um, you know, there are these peak moments for all of us in life. And, mm -hmm. you know, when we, we've done, you know, worked with thousands and thousands of people to, have, quote, 
help them be more creative, to learn different idea generation techniques. And so we, we see that a lot. And when we do this work, we, we practice action learning, we're working on real world challenges, we're getting mm -hmm. ideas. So it's, it feels more like an ideation session than quote training. But um, as we're doing it, you know, I'm sort of looking out at people and I see, it's a, I don't know how to quite put it, but I see the lights going on in people. Light bulb is, is probably not the accurate word, but I see the lights, I, I see them open up, you know, I see them, uh, I, I, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's hard to explain, but you that there's a, that occurs as they start using some of these things. And so those are extraordinary moments for us. And it's not that everybody in the group will have that, especially in a keynote, there might only be a few of these, but boy, it's so rewarding when that happens. And to have that acknowledged uh, with that, that quote, um, that was a case of this, this person uh, coming up to us and saying, it, that's essentially what she was saying, that she had relit um, her own uh, beingness through being creative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and what's better than that, right? Really, I mean, what is better than that? I, I, I absolutely, I feel the same way. And, and, and I wonder if you'd allow me to mm, take you down the road a little bit. Absolutely, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ready. Your <laughs> so in, in my world, when I see that with someone, and it, and it, it's, it's such a moment because you're really joining in with that too. Not only have you facilitated that perhaps, but you, you really, you, you're the witness to it. And for me, it's, it's, I see it as that person connecting with, with almost like their essence of who they are or their, their co-creative intelligence. That's one of the ways that I speak about that. Just what does that mean for you? I mean, can you relate to that as like tapping into a part of, that universal energy field that the physicists speak about. Yeah, I love that. I And the word co-creative intelligence is such a, a profound idea. Um, yes, I think, um, you know, I, I my bias is that we're all born with this sort of, you know, co-creative intelligence or whatever you call it is. There's this sort of, sort of profound openness to the world. And, and there's so many ways to get back into that openness that may have been sort of trained out of us or taught out of us. And of mm -hmm. course you practice a lot of these techniques and yoga and meditation and chanting and dancing with Sufis and all the rest. All of these are, <laughs> are around to, to get us into higher states of awareness. Mm -hmm. um, my path, um, my mission in life is to popularize the structure of creativity. And it's a way for me to, to share some of these uh, and, to, and to be part of this and to experience it and mm -hmm. by, by talking about creative processes. So it's, it's a kind of non-threatening way to um, bring greater awareness to myself, to people, to the organization, and have the, the joy of being part of that. Um, you know, the, the, the one other thing I would say is that when I'm facilitating ideation sessions and I'm doing it well, and, and it requires it, frankly, that you be at five or six different levels at once, mm -hmm. you know, we can talk more about that if you want. But, 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 the, but the wonderful thing is that I am, when I'm doing it well, I am sort of a completely open vehicle, channel, vessel, whatever you want to call it for this sort of group consciousness that's flowing through and I'm working 
frankly, more with the group consciousness than I am with the individuals. Uh, now, obviously, the individuals are all contributing that. And at the beginning, I'm using all kind of tricks in order to get themselves to be open to the to the groupness. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but that's really what you're talking about, that co-creative um, brilliance and greatness. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think about, about co-creation as moving in two directions uh, in a way, in that kind of setting at once. The, the one direction, if you want to literally, not quite so literally um, think of it that way, is that self with self, that, that co-creative aspect of the part of us that is connected with that universal consciousness, if you will, energy field, whatever you want to call it. That's that um, one direction of co-creation. And then there's the more, mm, there's the group co-creation. What happens in that energy field with the group? And that's what you're speaking about right now is there's a whole other thing that happens when each person is connected in that way and, and, and being that vessel themselves. Yeah, I love the way you put it. I never quite thought of it that way, but I, but I, I'm seeing all this sort of, I'm sort of seeing this dimensional matrix where as we grow within ourselves, within a, a greater awareness within ourselves at the, the highest level, what's a soul level, whatever you want to call that, um, that is obviously a, a big part of, and that contributes to the, the co-creation that's happening across everyone. So that's a, I never thought of it quite that way, and, and I like that intersection of those, if you will, two universes. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. So, I, so I, I love that. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. That, I mean, that's the heart of the potentiation process that, that I've developed, is, is being able to work at that juncture. So you just spoke, said something that, you know, sort of uh, got my attention, shall we say, uh, <laughs> about the working at five or six levels. And, yes. and you know, that made me think of something, but I, I want to hear from you what that means for you. Yeah, so those levels are, you know, there's a just an awareness of what's happening physically. So I'm looking at, you know, body language and feedback and expressions on people's faces. I'm listening to what people say. So I'm, and I'm also writing those down, even though we typically have a technographer in the room, somebody taking electronic meeting notes. So I'm physically writing that down right? I'm thinking, writing that down. But another level is then I'm also seeing the potential of what I'm writing down. So I'm laddering up, if you will, to, to bigger thoughts. So somebody might say something very uh, concrete, which I then ladder up to, oh, and so how would that work across these five areas? So I'm uh, laddering up, if you will, to other possibilities, number one, or I may be pushing against a, a brilliant idea to further develop it which is another level so i may get people to to name an idea to give it to give it energy you know and to to give it clarity um and and so there's a there's a hearing and there's a feeling going on too is this is this happening uh there's an intuitional thing oh i can feel there's something here even though there's not even though this is a really stupid idea, <laughs> yeah, I, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and I'm at a level where I'm withholding that judgment, or I'm, I'm still having the judgment, but I'm watching it. I'm obviously yes. not verbalizing it. But also there's a part of me that intuitionally can feel that there's something bigger here that mm -hmm. I need to help the group explore. So there are all these different levels. 
and then I'm repeating what they're saying. So I'm verbalizing things and I'm making jokes and I'm, and I'm trying to be self-effacing or I'm calling somebody else to add to it because my intuition says they can add. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different levels going on in the facilitation of new ideas. And it's really about, um, as I said, first and foremost, almost identifying with the group consciousness recognizing that there's a there's an opportunity for greatness to flow through and it's my job to see that happen yeah so you act as both here here's what i'm picturing you're well energetically really is you're acting as both facilitator of that multi-dimensional level right there and at the same time you you are that that um vessel or channel or um keeping your own creative co-creative channel open yeah, I'm glad you said that because, you know, the, the literature says, oh, you have to be objective when you do this work, which is ridiculous. What, what does that even mean? Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> right. And so maybe I'll be having a seed of an idea. And so I then, if intuitively I, I know, now facilitator, my job is not to have ideas, but what I will do then is I might ask questions. If I have an idea, I might, quote, try to lead people there. And, and, and if that works, fine. If it doesn't, that's okay, too. But my intuition says, oh, here's an idea. Let's see what they have to say about that. But I, I always, quote, give credit to them. I'm, I never use the word I. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. I think. No, no. How about what if? Could we? So, um, yeah, so the point, the point is that the best facilitators, in my opinion, are tuned in and they are creative themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so that would be humbly me saying that's me. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have to be tuned in. Yes. Because yes, that's yes. what you're facilitating. So you're, you're the witness of that. And you're, you don't have the expectation when you have a great idea that anything happened with it. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I would say for those in your audience who are, who are planning or currently facilitators, whatever, if they are, they know. You know, sometimes clients have said, well, you're charging a lot of money for this. And I said, well, I can only do maybe two or three of these a week. You can't do this every day mm -hmm. because it's such a commitment in terms of energy and passion and experience and design. And you're, you know, it's like a perform. It is a performance mm -hmm. in the best sense of the word. Uh, and, and it's improvisational. And in that sense, gosh, you have to be so in the moment. And that takes, um, you know, that takes a lot of energy. And, you know, at the end of a day, I'm, I'm pretty much spent, or at the end of two days, I figured out how to mod moderate energy. But, you know, it's a tremendous commitment in terms of energy and, and openness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and because any of us who are willing to be in the moment with our work, know that that being in the moment means being yeah excuse me means being fully present yeah yeah i like the way you said that yeah i i agree with you we, i i think we both read some of the present stuff but yeah it's I, the easy way to say it it is about full being fully present as you said yeah yeah so you've also talked about your um disruptive war games which you know is a little part of me that kind of um, <laughs> <laughs> cringes yes, yes, yes. <laughs> gaming workshops and and how they've led to greater openness um and you've you've used the word humility which i find striking uh, in some very successful organizations so what is disruptive wargaming first of all and then what do you what's the connection with that in humility 
Yeah, it's such an odd juxtaposition of humility with disruptive wargaming. I mean, it's such a, a male, you know, bellicose, you know, warlike kind of image. But the reason we've called it that is because wargaming, as, as you know, is uh, is practiced, you know, it started in the military of uh, role-playing to find out competitive strategies, right? And so that's a known term. Also led to scenario, scenario planning that was pioneered by Shell um, and, and the wonderful book, The Art of the Long View. So it's, it's a leveraging of that to help companies and brands uh, look at the competitive landscape. But what we've done uh, and the reason we call it disruptive wargaming is because we have companies role and brands role play direct direct competitors. So if you're in the insurance business, you know you're you're role playing Wall Street, Geico, and Progressive or whatever. But then the disruptive part is we also have these teams role play potential disruptors. So Amazon, Google, and Walmart, if they entered the insurance business. Um, they could dramatically, dramatically change that business literally overnight. Mm -hmm. And so the, these uh, role plays, um, and these are typically two-day sessions. Day one, they role play the competition. Day two, given those uh, scenarios and plans, they then come back and create their own uh, plans for their brands. So, um, but what's extraordinary about it, um, if you're running a company, and it's doing extremely well. What are the what's the likelihood that somebody's going to change? Mm -hmm. It's it's almost nil, right? I mean, why would you change a winning formula? And this gets to the humility thing. And I'm thinking now of an insurance company. Actually, we did this wargaming, and they had a, had record quarters all in a row, and they were not about to change. But when we did the disruptive wargaming, and they did role play Amazon, etc they realized how, how dramatically their business could change. And, became, and so they did become much more humble about how they went to market, how they um, serviced their clients. And even they were able to anticipate um, certain acquisitions by competition, et cetera, et cetera. So the point is it's a very powerful uh, way to come up with competitive, competitive strategies. And if you're charged with, uh, as a change agent with an organization, it's a, it's a really powerful way, and if you will, trick for getting people to, 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 to be more humble about where you might go. Interesting, wow, that's, I, I love that. Um, well, that you can speak about it and see that, that next step of it all. I, and I would say it's really fun, and, and this sounds like corporate BS in a way, where I say at the beginning of like a two-day session, I'll say, listen, this, I'll even say this may sound like corporate BS, but mm -hmm. I said tomorrow uh, evening, the world will be a different place. And that is absolutely true. It will be a different place because people will have experienced what the whole world could do, and all of a sudden they say, oh my gosh. And that's, that's tremendously rewarding as well, as you can imagine. Yes, yes. I'd love to flip this on its head um, because I've been uh, working with somebody and, and writing about and, um, and speaking about the impact of the feminine on the new world story. Did you say the feminine? I did, I did. Yes, okay, got it. So... Uh, You've just spoken about something that you said, you know, the bellicose male. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you for balancing it out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's tricky to, um, to, to perhaps go into that territory, but I, I just read an article the other day in Forbes magazine about how the 
the, the women leaders in the world have had more success with dealing with COVID-19 because of some of the feminine qualities of things like empathy, good communication skills, um, uh, big vision. Yeah, well, I gosh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I you know, if if we look at the yin and the yang of the world and the the balance and the the if you, for lack of a better term the, the the female energy, oh my gosh, that is so critical, absolutely essential to the creative process because we're going through cycles of sort of proactive and pushing and pushing, and then we've got to get one of those cycles of receptivity, you know, and I I would consider that more of a uh, for lack of a better term, a, a female thing. I, you know, I, I hadn't expected to share this, but in one of, you know, I've been through a lot of different uh, spiritual disciplines and training. And at one point I, I actually did rebirthing, which was really profound and wonderful. But I found my, my male side, my right side, actually sort of beating up my left side because it was, you know, it was like, oh my gosh. And, and, and so there was a, an integration that needed to happen between quote my female side and my male side to be a more uh, holistic a more whole brained a more uh, balanced individual in the world and so i'm a gosh i'm a big believer in the the power uh, or the 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 importance of balancing those energies in in everything we do including the world stage oh my gosh mm -hmm. And at least you know giving voice to and and I imagine that um, that that quality of receptivity to, to just to piggyback on what you just uh, spoke to uh, is really essential in the innovation process. Absolutely, you know we you know and and this I think gets back to humility. I think it's sort of I I don't know why that feels more feminine to me than male, but it doesn't have to be obviously. But you know we go in open not knowing what the answers are and that's scary and that's you have to be receptive and 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 so that requires um well i guess receptivity and openness that that sometimes if uh some of the males on the planet aren't, aren't quite as open to that <laughs> we're we're getting into tough territory here but i but, but i do think that's true i do think that's true i, I do think that's true mm -hmm. and um and that's part of the learning and part of the creation of this new story for this time and what is needed yes yes and it's interesting too to me that you know that if you look at the history of innovation um, the, the myths that are told are primarily male, but, mm -hmm. but two things are changing. A, the world is changing, so we're, we're seeing more and more, quote, female leaderships. But also, if you, if you really look at the history of, you know, Mercedes and other organizations, you find that women had a tremendous role to play despite society's limitations of helping their husbands or being the inspiration for greatness or whatever it is. Um, certainly Marie Curie would be a good example of that. I was just thinking about her having just seen the new um, movie that's, I, I think it's on um, Amazon Prime. Um, and she, she was the one and, you know, leading the way. Yes, yes. Um, I forgot, is it, is it radiation? I've forgotten the title of it. Uh, I think it might be. 
I think it might be. I'm about halfway through it, so it's fun. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> I'm, I'm coughing on them. The, the male part of me is coughing on the female part of me. <laughs> okay, well, you said anything goes, so. <laughs> Thank you for being willing to go there, Brian. <laughs> You wrote about um, the idea of a total innovation enterprise in your book, Idea Stormers. And in, and in that, you included 10 principles. And one of them is really striking to me, and that's um, human creative potential is to be embraced. All employees at all levels have the potential to make important creative contributions to the enterprise. It is wasteful to allow that potential to lie fallow. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I'm devoted to, to that in one way or another. What can can you say more about that? Yeah, I you know this in a way eureka moment to me came when I was working with with actually Con Ed and I spent some time on the trucks with the guys on the front line, and I this was soon after nine eleven actually, and I asked them all, you know what what are you most proud of? And in every case, um, and this was about a dozen. Uh, I interacted with in depth throughout the day, you know, on the trucks and at the plants and managers and line workers, etc. And since they all said the same thing, I said, oh my gosh, this is amazing. They were all proud of some creative contribution they could make. And that was a, a, a seminal moment for me because I said, oh my gosh, corporations are doing a lousy job really of helping of getting ideas from from their employees and then manifesting those ideas and you know obviously i've devoted devoted my life to doing that but beyond the quote selfish part of it for a corporation mm -hmm. to invent new uh, revenue streams to be more efficient to service clients better etc cetera, etc cetera, there's that human component and you know before covid we had you know the talent wars were going on and of course millennials now um don't want to work for organizations they don't don't have a higher purpose and contributing to that higher purpose is creating an environment that lets people become you know their greatest self and you cannot in my opinion my bias is you cannot become your creative self uh your best self without being creative and so all these things to me align um, in terms of helping the organization and creating structures that allow people to be their absolute best by being creative. That's beautifully said. And something that, I, that I've been with for probably the last 30 years, and there were a group of us that did a lot of research around that in our own lives, and the way in which opening those creative channels, and that doesn't mean becoming a painter or you know, you're gonna go in and write the next great novel. It's, it's like living a creative life, but living with and using that creative energy that it also is what helps us to maintain our health. Yeah, what a, what a great comment. You know, I, I, you're making me think of a, a talk to American Greetings, the, the um, you know, greeting card company. Mm -hmm. And, and I was, I, I wasn't intimidated, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to go talk to, you know, these hundreds and hundreds of creative people about creativity. And, and I did, and it was successful and wonderful. But, but what was extraordinary to me is that when I walked in their headquarters, they had all these displays 
of creative things that people were working on besides coming up with 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 uh, greeting cards so it's sculptures they were doing or or musical compositions they made and so the corporation to its tremendous credit recognized that people are not just creative at work you know they're creative in all aspects of their lives mm -hmm. and you have to acknowledge that and champion that and how wonderful is that and if if you don't um a, it's it's going to be lousy, <laughs> and B, um, you know, I, I do think to get to your health thing, um, I also think, you, you know, people who laugh uh, live longer. I don't know if that's true. Oh, yeah, I guess that's been true, proven by Norman Cousins. So, yeah, so being creative, um, I, I don't, I'm not sure I've ever made this direct connection, but uh, being creative may be a formula for uh, living longer. I like that. <laughs> and living longer well, you know, thriving, not just mm, managing or surviving. Yeah, I guess Scrooge could have lived a long time. Uh, he <laughs> wasn't very happy, know, didn't laugh a lot. He wasn't happy <laughs> until he had his transformation. But. I know because of the pandemic right now, you are leading um, virtual innovation sessions and ideation sessions. How's that going? I'm, I'm really interested because I've been certainly in that same boat of doing my work virtually, which I often do, but some of it that I hadn't done before. Yeah, you know, we, uh, when it hit, we had, a uh, it was 10 or 12, you know, confirmed or about to be confirmed a client or projects with established clients go away. And, uh, you know, which is disconcerting, <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> yes, so I, I, I've been productive in, in writing a new book and all, but um, what we found is that um, the ideation sessions, which is only part of what we do, but, you know, there's qualitative research, et cetera, et cetera. But the ideation sessions, um, because technology has caught up and we were pioneering virtual ideation sessions over 10 years ago, but now the technology has really caught up with, mm -hmm. with Zoom and Microsoft Teams, et cetera, that really allows you to do this successfully. And now having done a bunch of these sessions, um, you know, we had a two-day strategy session that we turned into four, two and a half hour uh, virtual sessions, for instance, there are actually some advantages. Now there's some disadvantages that sort of, you know, we talked about sort of being in tune entirely with the group. You can't quite do them the same way virtually, but my gosh, um, you know, by having four two and a half hour sessions, I'm able to redesign after each session, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas I wouldn't, where it's harder to do in just a two day session or, uh, or, you know, we can invite different people to each of the four sessions, right? Because, you know, whereas in a two-day ideation, you kind of got to invite everybody, right? And, and have them stay for the, to, 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 for the whole thing. Um, the other thing is that was unexpected, but in retrospect, it was obvious, is you do get soak time. So we did these over a month-long period, um, or, or connection-making time, if you want to call it that. So doing it over a month, these four sessions, one each week, we would be getting new ideas each week that then I incorporated into the session. And so that was an extraordinary advantage. Yes. So beyond just no travel and, uh, you know, um, lack and social distancing, there were, turns out, some tremendous advantages of, of doing things virtually. And so that's a fun, a fun area to explore. I, I got to say, I miss the personal contact 
but um, in some ways, you know, I think, you know, we've seen this in certain conventions. There, there's, there's an opportunity for even greater intimacy at mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a therapist, uh, um, I, I've talked to some therapists, and they said, yeah, sometimes there's even greater intimacy because of the virtualness. Yeah, no, I, I um, uh, did a class a couple of weeks ago, and it was, it was virtual that I've never done before virtually. And yeah, I did miss that being in the room with, but bec- and because I'm working with energy, I thought, well, I, I didn't know how that was all going to go over the course of a weekend. I know how it can go in small, smaller pieces. And it was incredible to me what the kind of intimacy w- that was generated amongst people that um, it, there were no distractions. You know. This one therapist I talked to, she said, uh, and she was an LA therapist, and she'd say when she would do her therapy sessions, she would take it. She said it used to take at least five or ten minutes to get the people out of the, you know, they'd have driven their cars, they were in that, you know, LA craziness, and so she said it would take at least five or ten minutes to get them out of that when they were coming to her office. She said virtually, it's like we're there almost immediately, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and, um, and and maybe. So yes, yeah, so there. I mean, obviously, it's different, and in some ways, not as as fun for us. And 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 you know, when I do my virtual sessions, for instance, I require the clients to have a technologist on board because I don't want to have to deal with that. So there are mm-hmm. things you have to deal with, but boy, there's some some advantages too. So it's a really it's a it's a brave new world, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, figuring this out. And uh, you know, it's been fun. I mean, you know. Um, why not? <laughs> why not? It's just we have to anyway. You know, I mean, what kind of choice do we have anyway? So, so it's been great. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and I, I don't know if you're game for this or not, to, just to speak for a moment or two about your, the new book that's, we don't know when sure. it's coming out, but that you've been working on. Just yeah, I actually, I actually have a, a couple of them, um, but the, and one, um, is sort of an adult uh, poem, if you can believe that, on on, on creativity and sort of re uh, reigniting the the creative genius that we had as a kid. And so that'll that'll be a picture book, and that's out uh, being looked at by five publishers now. Uh, the the more conventional one uh, is called, and that took me three and a half years to write because. And it's only, it's less than a thousand words. And so it turned, just so you know, it's really, really hard to write poetry. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, 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 and, and, and my writer's group was so kind to me. And I bring this stuff knowing it was terrible. And they were very, very kind and, and said, well, maybe you should try this. And, <laughs> and uh, but three and a half years later, I have something I'm, I'm really proud of. But the, I guess the one that would, would make sense to talk about is, um, it's a new book called uh, Solving uh, impossible business challenges. Uh, I just sent it over the weekend to my agent. So she has it now out. Uh, a publisher is, is looking at, at it now who would express some interest in it. I had done a TEDx talk called um, Creative Techniques to Solve Impossible Challenges. Mm-hmm. And so that's that was the genesis of this. And I, they had, uh, we had, uh, you know, we're back and forth with them about doing a, a book around that. And it's really for the individual you know, so how do you use creativity to overcome procrastination, for instance, or mm. invent a new service or whatever? So that's exciting, and it's very exciting that uh, 
but it's actually written. <laughs> it, it's a short book. It's only 15,000 words, but that's the trend. Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, and, and so I'm, I'm happy that I, I finally, finally got that done. It took much, much longer than I thought it would, but uh, it's that old bit about sometimes it's harder to write shorter than longer. So, so yeah, so that um, we're hoping the publisher will say yes, and that would, I assume, be out in the fall of next year. Wonderful, wonderful. Gives, a, gives our audience something to look forward for, to. Oh, and you. could you also share with people your uh, website address so that people can find out more about your work? Sure. Um, the, uh, it's growth-engine.com. You know, we're, we're the growth engine innovation agency. We're based in Westport, although, you know, we're virtual now in Stanford and New Canaan. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's growth-engine.com. It's got, it's got my other three books on that site. But if people even just search my name on Amazon, all, all three of my uh, currently published books will will come up, um, which, you know, have a lot of ideation and innovation processes in them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Brian, for, yeah, your, your wisdom, your generosity. Um, and I love, I love talking with you because you'll go anywhere. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and willingly and, and create from that and and that's really a delight to me both as a person and as a host well th and thank you and thank you for your your kind introduction your heartfelt questions you know they're coming from a uh, higher order, um, which is not always the case when, uh, when I do um, some of these interviews. So I really appreciate the opportunity to sort of, um, you know, uh, I don't know if it's be a channel, but but sort of um, be in tune with you about where you're coming from. And that's mm -hmm. a great joy and an honor. So thank you. Thank you. And thanks to our audience. I want to thank you, too, for being with us today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for, as I say each time, for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. Remember, you can find us on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. And if you've enjoyed listening today, leave us a review because that helps people to access the wisdom and to transform the world. That's what we're here for, really. And for more about fast-tracking your ideas to creation and revenue, find me, Laurie Seymour over at the Institute.com. Take the quiz and find out your creative innovator style so that you can turn your ideas into reality without missing another moment. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.